0: You're listening to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast, episode 53. We're talking to Kelly Hardnett about the upbeats and beatdowns of church comms. Here we go.
1: Welcome to the Seminary of Hard Knocks, a podcast designed to help you master church communications and social media. These are practical solutions from the trenches that any church can use. Now, let's join your host, Seth Muse, whose jam right now is either grape or pearl.
0: Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Seminary of Hard Knocks podcast. I'm Seth. Glad that you're with me today. I got a couple of things I want to cover with you real quick before we get into our conversation with Kelly Hartnett. Kelly is the Courageous Storyteller Director at Center for Church Communications, which is an organization that does all kinds of stuff to help church communicators do their jobs better, communicate the gospel clearly, and all of that. So it's a great Organization to get connected with. They're one of the, Some of the people that are there now are some of the people that started me off. So trust me, all those links are in the show notes, which you can get today at sethmuse.com slash 53. I want to tell you about three of the links that are actually in that sh- in those show notes, and they are conferences, two of which I'm speaking at. The first one is thatchurchsummit.com. You can go there to thatchurchsummit.com, and I'll be speaking at that conference. It's free, lots of great communicators, lots of incredible content going to be given for free there. The other one that I'm speaking at is churchmarketingsummit.com, and this is focusing on reaching communities and using tools like social media and email and stuff to do inbound marketing and to get your church, get people to actually show up and grow your church. So that's going to be really great. Alejandro Reyes is putting that one on, uh, so you know it's going to be solid. The third one I'm actually not speaking at, but I can get you a discount. It's the Big Idea Conference, and you can go to bigideanashville.com. It's actually in Nashville. This won't be online, but if you want to sign up and use the the code Seth, S-E-T-H, you can get 25 bucks off of your registration. So go ahead and use the link that's in the show notes. Go there, put in my name, and I'll get you 25 25 bucks off just because I'm a nice guy and I have friends in high places. So i would be happy to pass those savings on to you. Go to the Big Idea Nashville Conference. It is going to be really great. There's going to be some representatives, I think from Facebook and other things there, other platforms like that there. It's just going to be solid content. Um Speaking of Facebook. We've got a really great Facebook group going on right now that's based around this podcast. So already there's over 200 people that have joined this, this group, and we're communicating and, and uh, having conversations daily about communications. And it is really, really fun. We're having a good time. I'm getting to know some of you guys, and I love doing that. So it's, it's exciting for me to get to meet people who are actually listening and be able to talk further about some of the stuff you hear on these episodes. So go to sethmuse.com group and you'll be able to just it'll take you straight to that uh, Facebook group and you can ask to join we'll let you in and then we can start hanging out so it'll be really cool so let's get into the conversation today it is episode 53 again show notes sethmuse.com slash 53 and you can get all the links that we talk about in this episode so here's my conversation with Kelly Hartnett take it away me All right, Hey everybody, welcome back to the podcast and today my guest is Kelly Hartnett. Kelly is from the Center of Church Communications and she is the Courageous Storytellers Director. Kelly, welcome to the podcast.
1: Hey, thanks so much, Seth. I'm happy to be here.
0: uh, I'm I'm glad you're here, too, because you've written something recently that I want to talk about at length here. Um, You've got a book out, but before we get to that, I want to talk about you. Can you tell us a little bit about who you are, kind of how you came to Church Communications, or just something that's relevant for us to uh, kind of understand your backstory?
1: Absolutely. So... um I have worked in church communication for a little over a decade, maybe 12 years or so. Um, I jumped into it completely accidentally because there is a need at my church for somebody to answer the phones, basically. And over time, um, that position at the front desk turned into kind of a part-time com position, and then uh, over the years morphed into a senior leadership position. Yes. And. So I've worked in a local church. I've worked in a couple of local churches, actually. I've done some church planting. I've done some uh, consulting, do some teaching from time to time. So I've just done kind of a lot of different roles in church communication.
0: So that's cool. That's kind of how I became a youth pastor. They were like, we need somebody to keep the kids from tearing things up. And so I was like, (laughs) I'll do that. And then they were like, let's start paying them to do that, because obviously that's a hard job. And then I just became this youth pastor and then eventually moved on. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of that's well, kind of a lot of people's story. I think we all fell into the communications world, especially.
1: Totally. Yeah, I have yet to meet a church communicator who's doing it on purpose. <laughs> you know, like they love it. They're glad they're doing it. But it yes. wasn't something that they sat in their, you know, high school classes thinking this is what I want to do with my life.
0: Yeah. So. And, and we were talking about this earlier. It's like it wasn't even a job for right. for most of us. I mean, it was only at the real big churches that had. So there were maybe like five jobs in America that you could have as a church communicator that would pay your bills. Right. Everything, everything else was volunteer or you were some other job in the church and you had to do that too. Uh, and now in the last like five years, it's just, it, it, there's so many, there's so many of yeah. us. I have a hard time. I don't know about you, but like 14 to, I think we hit 16,000 in the church communications Facebook group. Yeah. I Do you, are you like me? I have a hard time believing there's that many of us out there. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm like... Really, where have we been? You yeah, know, I was really, like
1: about half of them are pastors checking up to see what their church communicators are saying about them. Yeah, I know.
0: I was like, my, my, uh, my boss is in the group and I'm like, Ooh, I better, I better be careful yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> he, But he's like, totally gets it. He's, he could be a communicator too. And so he's like yeah. loving the group and I don't even know how much he's paying attention, but I definitely, you need. Know, I was like, okay, my boss is in the group now, but I know <laughs> there's a lot of that. I feel like there's a ton of people out there that are just doing you know, multiple roles and that's, they're in there too yeah, to, to learn. So, but, but it, it just struck me as weird because how fast it's grown and how many of us there are and how much community there is. I was, I was like, man, I didn't think there were that many of us in the world.
1: <laughs> much yeah, less. It's really, it's really uh, encouraging though, to see how our profession is being recognized and held up as important and more and more churches are getting on board. You know, Chuck Scoggins actually posted not too long ago something on Facebook about how he believes that a church communicator should be the church's second hire right after the lead pastor.
0: Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard and third. I actually
1: agree with that. And I, I the second church that I worked full time for did that. I was the second hire.
0: Wow. And
1: uh, it was really helpful. Uh, I was actually, my title in that church was director of culture and connection. And I really think that's what church communicators are about. Like we're not, and I say this all the time, we're not just the bulletin people. We're not just the slides people. We're not just the Facebook people. We are actually culture shapers. And so to have a church communicator on from the very get-go, I think is really helpful and important.
0: That's awesome. I've heard that too. Someone said that you should go pastor, children's pastor, communications director. Mm. That was that was what I heard. I was like, "Yeah, I love that. I love having. Yeah. The, I think the communicator needs to be in the room with the pastor a lot. You know, just being able to to talk oh. through strategy and be close. No and,
1: question. Yes.
0: Yeah. It's yeah. it's really helpful because not only does it help the communication director to to be able to take that vision from the horse's mouth, if you forgive the pun, the the phrase, uh, right to where you know that communicator is working, but it also allows the pastor to see f- firsthand how to help communicate." better yeah yeah which is a terrible sentence to say that in it's very ironic but <laughs> Still, how to help communicate them better in the things you know? so
1: good you know how
0: to talk real great, good um, so anyway, but I think that it's just a good a, a good uh only good things can come from that relationship being strong and, and uh you know even at our church we're large and i'm I'm able to get access to my pastor and it's super helpful for both of us for him to understand what's going on for me to be able to know, okay, this is his heart, and yeah. so when I hear something different, I can identify it. It's like okay, that's not really what we need to do. So it's super helpful, but you mentioned being really encouraged. And that leads me to your book. Uh, your book is called, you've got this, a pep talk for church communicators. And so this book, I I skimmed through a little bit of this. I'm going to read this whole thing. Uh, I really like how it's laid out. It's kind of blog format in print, kind of like Kim Meyer used to do. So um, I really like the format of this book. I really like what's in it. It's just illustrated really well. And so I'm just encouraging everybody to go get it, and we'll put the link to it in the show notes. But tell us about this book a little bit. What, what's it really about?
1: Yeah, so um, when I've talked to church communicators over the last decade, all across the country, most of them uh, express feelings of being overwhelmed and underappreciated and ill-equipped and uh they just don't feel like they're good enough in their role a lot of them do there are some rock star communicators who like they have their they've got it they have their arms wrapped around it and they feel like they're doing well but most of the time i feel like church communicators don't feel like they know what they're doing and when you're in that headspace i think it's really hard to be good at your job Mm -hmm. so um it was actually the idea for the book came from Kevin Hendricks, who is the uh, editorial director for church marketing sucks. And he approached me with this idea of a kind of a kid president for church communicators. If you don't know who kid president is, um, pause the podcast and go find him (laughs) because it's just really fun, encouraging, positive messages. And he said, I wonder if you could write this. And so I, 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 was thrilled by the invitation, and it was such a fun book to write. And my hope is that it just really feeds the heart and soul of church communicators. There's plenty of practical advice in there, but uh, most of it is, like the title says, "You've got this. Like you can do this. Turn off the, the ugly voices in your head, and plow through and believe that that you're in this role for a reason, and that you'll God will equip you to do it." Yeah. So that's that's why I wrote it.
0: I I love that, and and I'll tell you a quick story that I I can relate is I was, uh, several years ago when I was a new youth pastor, I went to this conference at second Baptist church in Houston because I wanted to hear Doug Fields speak on youth ministry. And he was doing all the breakouts and he was doing that with like Chris Tomlin, I think. So I was like, okay, I'm there. And so we went, I I got my whole staff to go, but we went to this, to this breakout and he was talking about youth ministry. But one of the things he did is anybody that came to the breakout, he gave them this tiny little short booklet and it was just called Thank You. And mm-hmm. he had written several messages to youth pastors. And he said, this is a thankless job, but I want to try to end that. I want to say thank you for what you do. And I, I literally went to that conference thinking, I might be done here. I, oh, might, wow. be, I might be done at the church. I might be done um, maybe even with youth ministry because it was just super hard and I was like I don't know what I want to do next. I was very young, still looking for myself, you know, and and so I I went and got this book after this great breakout and then I went outside and I read it in about 10 minutes. It brought me to tears and I was so charged up for ministry after that that I stayed in youth ministry another 10-15 years. Wow. And, and so that kind of encouragement is so valuable and that's what I think you've got here in this book for church communicators. For what I've read it's super encouraging, which is why I really wanted to talk to you about it so people could hear about it and know about it and go get it because Thank you. I feel the same way. I'm a church communicator and man, I'm, this whole week I've been like, my God, what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> you know? I got a team of four work under me and I got to have, I got to have answers for them, you know, and it's like, yeah. I don't know what they are. So right. it's so encouraging to to be able to. To have that kind of just pick it up, re- skim through a little bit, and then there's some practical stuff in there, like you said. So
1: Well, and that I love that you're saying skim through it a little bit because the book is really designed that you could just pick up and read a couple of pages right. um, at a time. Jonathan Mom called it bite-sized therapy, which I love because that's really what I what I was hoping that it would be for people, that they could just pick it up, read a couple chapters, and then feel like they could move forward with their day. Yeah. Um. So that's certainly the way it's designed.
0: I also like to do that with uh, Stuff Christian's Light by John Cuff.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I love that. He turned that blog into a book.
0: <laughs> that makes me laugh so much. Yeah, I love it. It's good for a good like rest part of the day. It's really awesome. Absolutely. So so you've you've done communications for a while. Um, we know that like we have to we have to love the process. Right. If you get if you fall yeah. in love with the results, you can get burnt out. Mm-hmm. Um, so you got to love the process. So the process involves a lot of times learning new things or trying sure. new stuff. So what's something that you're working on right now that you're just kind of learning in in this world?
1: So that's a great question, Seth. Um, I I have the great honor of serving as the Courageous Storytellers Director. That's a membership site through the Center for Church Communication that I can tell you about a little bit later. But um, every month we focus on a particular theme. And so I feel like um, every month, I get to learn something new. That I, I get to take my understanding of things to a deeper level. Like uh, this month, we're working on some things around targeted communication and demographics, and so we're pulling together resources about building personas, which I've never done before. I know it's kind of it's something that's been in marketing for a long time, but I didn't know anything about it. Yeah. Um, so I get to, I get to learn little tidbits of information that's new all the time. But to be honest with you, um, mostly what I'm working on learning is more about how to help the church grow disciples rather than grow churchgoers
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, which is it's, it's a it's a bigger conversation than church communication specifically but I'm reading a lot about um, social issues and how the church should be approaching those I just picked up Drew Hart's book called Trouble I've seen about racism in uh, in American churches and things like that so, a lot of what I'm what I'm spending most of my headspace on right now is more philosophical things and less super practical skill-based things. Although on my list of things to learn includes things like uh, chatbots and uh, Facebook Pixel yeah. and all of those those kinds of things. I, I am very easily overwhelmed by how much I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I think we could like I think we could all
0: f- identify with that for sure. There's
1: always something new coming down the pipeline that I'd never heard of before, and I'm like, oh my gosh, is this yet another thing that I have to figure out and learn how to do? I feel like an old person because it's all technology related. yeah um, so I do have a list kind of of things that I know that I get I need to get to at some point, but right now I just really feel compelled to to look at the church from more of a thirty thousand foot view. And from less of a Facebook pixel view, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. And I think that helping us, you know, from the position that you're in, you're in a position that you can actually help uh, so many churches understand that stuff too. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's really great. I think that's uh, awesome stuff to be looking at. Um, I want to talk about something in the book real quick. Um, Yeah. You, you kind of hate the exclamation point. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I, I do. I I, I love this quote and it was, it was wonderfully illustrated. Who illustrated the book, by the way,
1: Erica Hicks.
0: And she did such a great job. They're so fun. All these little drawings and stuff in there. So fun. Um, But she made this quote into a illustration of an exclamation and I loved it. It says exclamation point works hard. So we didn't have to. Yeah. I thought that was so great. Can you talk about what that is and why you kind of hate the exclamation point?
1: Yeah, so I just think the exclamation point represents all of the times that we overpromise and underdeliver, and all of the times that we feel like um, all we have to do is say, join us, or um, sit with a friend, or whatever we do, or put exclamation points on it. It's going to be like great. It's going to be great. Oh, um, you, you don't want to miss it. This. Yes. <laughs> yes, not to miss it. I mean, it just drives me crazy. And I think that we we spend more time advertising our stuff, which is to bring awareness of it and less time worrying about marketing our stuff, which Seth Godin talks about making sure that we build something remarkable right into what we're creating. Yeah. So we think that just talking about it really exciting in really exciting ways makes the thing itself really exciting when most of the time it actually kind of sucks. And then people don't trust us anymore because how many things are going to actually be life-changing exclamation point? <laughs> yes. You know what I mean?
0: Yes, absolutely. It's like if every it's the old, it's like if you've ever seen The Incredibles. Uh one of the greatest lines from The Incredibles is when when little boy wants to be when Dash wants to go out for sports and his mom is like you can't you're you're super speed it wouldn't be fair. And he goes, "But you always say like we should do our best, but you don't really mean it." And and so he goes, Everyone And basically they get to the point where they say everyone is special and and Dash goes, which is another way of saying no one is. No one is.
1: That's right. And it's
0: kind of like if you raise everything to the point of the exclamation point. Yeah. Everything's great. Everything's awesome. Everything's best. Then nothing really is great.
1: And it's not. And it's not. Like, to be honest, it's just not. So it just feels kind of disingenuous and a little lazy and desperate. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) I use them, too, because sometimes it's hard to communicate the excitement that you want to communicate without using one. But, oh, my gosh. If any of you listening use multiple exclamation points, stop it.
0: Like one, Two. You're you're you, by multiple, you mean instead of using an exclamation point at the end of a sentence, you have three in a row.
1: Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. It's the worst.
0: I'm not yeah. that kind of offender, but I do overuse the exclamation point. And, <laughs> I
1: think most of us do. And,
0: and I've gone in and since my team is really averse to it as well. And so when I write things for them, they're like. And my pastor does it too. And it's kind of endearing, but it's like, we, we have to get all his stuff and we go, okay, let's de-exclamation this. And we have to go through and, and find where it's appropriate for a period. And I have to do the same thing for my stuff. And so it, it's totally a thing that I think happens a lot. We, we try to over-promise, under-deliver, and then we end yeah. up under-delivering,
1: not right. by, by intention. No, like, not, and it's no, and nobody has bad intentions behind it, but right. it's reality. So we need to be really careful, like reserve your exclamation points for the things that really deserve it. Yeah, like somebody got baptized or that's right. I was just thinking that like baptisms. Yes.
0: Someone got accepted Christ or,
1: yeah.
0: you know, we had, you know, 10 new families show up this weekend, you know, great. You know, so I think that's great. Uh, I thought that was a really fun part of the book. Um, we, communicators get beat down a lot, you know, a lot of times we feel like, you know, not only do we not know what to do, but when we do know what to do, there seem to be a lot of hurdles in the way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and typically those hurdles are humans. So, um, yes. what kind of, like how much of our beat down really happens because bad of bad relationships or internal communications or, or things that have to do with person to person stuff that we're kind of, I guess what I'm asking is what advice do you have to someone who's in that situation? Like we, we've got a lot of personal relationship stuff happening on staff and yeah. I try to talk about this. I don't know if I, I really don't hear a lot about this. So what is your advice? What do you feel is like how much of our real beatdown is because of interpersonal?
1: Yeah, I think a lot of it is. And I think um, some of some of it may be because once we feel like we know what we're doing in a particular area of our job, we enforce those things to the nth degree Mm -hmm. and to the detriment of relationships. So we build a communication form. And rather than allowing the or the communication request form, rather than allowing the communication request form to begin a conversation with a ministry leader, we make that the conversation with the ministry leader. Yeah. Good. And so we put this wall of technology up between us and the people whom we're honestly supposed to be serving. Right. Yeah, like right. we're support team for all of these ministries. So or. um people's feelings get hurt because we take their glitter filled poster down from the lobby and we never have a conversation about it. And we can feel the tension between us, but we're not willing to say, okay, I I feel something's not right between the two of us. We need to talk about it. So honestly, that's my number one advice in those situations is take more people to coffee like build relational equity with folks. And when things feel wonky, call, call that stuff out and work through it. Yeah. And I often began those conversations with, okay, this is really awkward. Um, and I'm a little uncomfortable, but I care about our relationship enough that I really want to have this conversation. And I hope you'll sit down with me and do it. And that's just a bit, and it's not manipulative because it was true for me. Those, I hated those conversations. I don't like conflict. Um, But it's a very disarming way to begin a conversation rather than I need to talk to you about something, you know, yeah. like the sass needs to go away Um, and to really humble ourselves. That doesn't mean that we have to put up with everything. That doesn't mean we have to um, accept poor behavior or mistreatment from ministry leaders or staff or pastors or whoever. Um, But I do think starting from a place of humility and authenticity is really helpful. In those situations.
0: That's great. I, I really feel like that's, you know, some of the b- roadblock is just we have to be able to coach them. We have to be able to instruct a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't have re- a lot of times you don't have a position of you have to listen to me. Right. You know, and so you have to find a way to relationally instruct and encourage and coach. For your staff, like your, your family ministry team or your, uh, worship team and how they're doing things. And as your communicator, it's like, you need to have some equity. Like I love that you use that word. There's some relational yeah. equity built in already with them. And for a lot of us, it's like, we don't realize that's what we're doing. That's when we just go, Hey, you guys want to go to lunch or Hey, you want to have some coffee or go and sit down in their office and go, what are you guys doing? You guys playing guitar? And if you play guitar, play with them, you know, just kind of find ways to connect and be friends basically. And it just, it makes so much easier down the road when you do have to have that hard conversation that you can go to them and have it.
1: It does. And I know this is a super cliche saying, but cliches become cliche because they're truth, right? So people don't care what you know until they know that you care. So if you are in conflict with a particular uh, leader or staff person constantly, it might just be time to sit down and say, tell me what you're excited about in your ministry. Tell me what you're struggling with in your ministry. Tell me how you think I can come alongside you. What can I do differently? What can I, you know, let's work on this together. Um, and Phil Battle talks about how when you have a problem, you need to find a way to make you and the other person work against the problem together instead of working against one another. Yes. that's And brilliant. I, I think that's really, yeah, he is a very smart, dude. So um, I think that's a really important piece of advice. You have to always remember who the enemy is. The enemy is not the women's ministry leader. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how much, how much you think she, she might be. The enemy <laughs> how is much the she wants to.
0: No matter how much did. she wants to be.
1: Right, right, right. right. So, um, finding ways to work together against a problem so that you're not in that constant conflict with people.
0: Man, I love that. I love how you put that. If everybody's not in the car, write that down. Um, (laughs) don't write it down if you're in the car. Um, I love that. I think, yeah, I've had a lot of, a lot more success with that as well. Being able to go to someone and go, Hey, um, I want to help you. Yeah. Like I'm really not trying to just interfere for the sake of this makes it easier on me. I'm actually working for you. I'm trying to help you do this easily. And, you know, I'm trying to help you do this better and I'm trying to help you be successful. And honestly, I've had some real success with that, with people that I did not expect. They have a reputation for being rough and difficult. And I mean, just going at them like that, like you just said, like I'm on your team, we have a problem, let's fix this problem.
1: Right.
0: You know, we've got to, we got to do this better. And, and keeping that goal out in front of what we're both trying to do is, man, I have seen some of the roughest, most mean reputation people uh, turn into just the best friend. Well, know?
1: that's part, that's just your charm, Seth. I
0: mean, let's <laughs> be honest. I'm pretty, I'm pretty a uh, charming fella, I guess. Uh, I'm likeable, I guess, you know, and that's it. It's like, I'm likable. Sure. But at the same time, I can be very unlikable.
1: Oh, I can, sure, we all can,
0: I can go yeah. in and go, Hey man, um, that w- picture you put up was ridiculous. I need you to take it down right now. Yeah. And I, I mean, we all have that where we go to the dark side where we're like, I don't want to put in the work for this. I don't want to put in the time. I just need the task done. So get it done. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. And and, and for, I'm sorry to interrupt you. I, I have to say something before I forget because I'm, no, I'm old. No, no worries.
0: <laughs> this is an interrupt back and forth podcast. That's fine.
1: Okay, great. Awesome. So the other thing is if there's people who are listening to this, who are thinking, okay, that's great advice, Kelly, and I've tried that and they're still horrible to me mm-hmm. and they won't listen to me and we still have this issue, then um, I would encourage you to take the biblical model and invite your your leadership in and have a conversation yes. among the three of you. Like, don't, don't turn that into backbiting and gossip and talking about how awful that person is. That is absolutely not okay. And it's not helpful at all. So you take the problem to the person who has, who can have some power over it and you have a conversation, the three of you, it's very awkward and really hard to do, but it's worth doing.
0: Yeah. And when the boss is sitting in the room and you're like, Hey, we have a problem. Yeah. Trust me. We're going to work it out. Because yeah. there's, there's, there's a little bit of fear because uh, at the end of the day, none of us want to look like we're the problem in front of the boss. That's right. Right. None of us want to look like that. And even if we don't like that we're in that situation, we're kind of, then we can force the hand a little bit, which is not a terrible thing to get some decisions made. And I think with right. communicators, a lot of times we feel like we are powerless. And so the only thing we can do is go gripe and make everybody mad at them like we are. And that's how we're going to get them back because we can't get them to do what we know they should do. Right. And, and I said this the other day to a friend and I was, and I heard it somewhere and I was like, this is so important. Um, a lot of times we also have to realize whose mistake it is to make when, what we're talking about. Like if there's somebody that's making a decision that we think is a terrible decision and we Mm. fought for it and nothing we do is going to get that decision changed, then at some point we also have to be able to put our hands back and go, you know what? That's your, that's your mistake to make.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: And it's like some of, some of it's just not worth fighting about. It's like, I'm going to save the relationship and let you hang yourself if you really want to hang yourself. And, and so that's, that's happened a little bit too. I think that's, you know, it's, that's hard to do. That's really hard to step back and just allow the, uh, you know, bad decision to go forward. But, that totally is.
1: is. But then you can come back in the back end and be a hero. And the way you start those conversations is, um, with the words, I wonder, so you have a conversation with this person who just made That's a mistake good. and say, Hey, I wonder if next time yeah, I might be able to help you in this way. And the words I wonder are like magic.
0: Yeah. And you can't say, I'm like, I wonder if it would have been better if you'd <laughs> well, yeah, you listened know? yeah. can't say it like that. Sweet
1: sarcasm, <laughs> Yes. Yes.
0: I wonder if you're not as smart as you thought you were. Hmm. Yeah. How about that? Or if
1: this would not better, if you'd listened to me, don't do that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so tempting sometimes. So tempting. Totally. Well, let's talk about this book and a little bit more. What's in there? Um, yeah. A couple of different chapters. What are some of your favorite chapters that are in there that you want to just tell us a little bit about it?
1: Sure. So one of the chapters, I think it's actually the second chapter, is called "Some people will not agree with you, and that is totally okay." And it talks about everything that we just talked about. Seth. F- false. Um, it's not I, okay.
0: They have to. They have to agree. <laughs> they have to agree. I'm sorry. I'm going to have to disagree.
1: No, that's okay. That's okay. I'm going to um, disagree
0: with you so you can agree with me.
1: Okay. I agree. <laughs> oh, no, to You're disagree? totally
0: right. You're totally okay. right. I love this.
1: Yeah. So that, that chapter will really, um, I hope it will encourage people to view conflict in a different way and, and figure out how to navigate through some of that, which we just talked about. Um, one of my other favorite chapters, it's chapter six. It's all about perfectionism. Because I think perfectionism mm. is malignant in the church communication world, and it's because we are constantly comparing one another, comparing ourselves to other churches.
0: Preach! Uh, you can preach right now. Go I, for it.
1: I, it. It is just so toxic mm-hmm. and so not helpful. Um, I talk in that chapter about what I have started to call fraud demons these are the little guys that sit on my shoulder and tell me that I'm not good enough and I'll never be good enough. And I won't ever be able to accomplish what this church or that church or that church is doing. And lots of people are going to go to hell because of me, because I can't figure out how to do this. Right. Like it's ridiculous. I don't know if you have a mean wicked internal editor, but I do. Oh yeah.
0: He right now he's saying you can't pull off preach. (laughs) You can't say preach and and it sound good. That's what he's saying right now. And I'm like, yeah, you're probably right. I probably won't say that again. That'll be the last time. Preach, yeah. no, I did it again. And <laughs> well, it's still great. bad. It's still real bad.
1: <laughs> I but, will not even attempt to say it. but so. right. The
0: internal monologue, though, is such a killer. Yeah. if it's negative, it can really it ruin is. you
1: it is. and I just think it's because we fall into the comparison trap. And perfectionism is doing the best you can with the tools that you have, okay? Yeah. Uh, or, or excellences, sorry. um perfectionism takes it to a completely different, unhealthy level. And so I talk a lot in that chapter about, um, battling perfectionism and trying to overcome it. I think it's, it's never something that we're going to get rid of completely. Um, because I think some of that is just the culture of American church right now too, which is a whole other thing that I could preach on that I won't. Yeah. Um, I'm not gonna say it. No, 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 it's okay. So, um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) well, what you're, what you're saying though, I just finished this book by John A. Cuff called finish And it's about that very thing. It's about goal setting and how perfectionism really just screws up our goal setting. And it makes us feel like, well, if I can't do it perfectly, then I just won't even start it. Right. And it's, and it's insane.
1: And I, you know, our God is not a God of fear. Right. And that's really what it comes down to is perfectionism is like this other side of the coin with fear. And uh, it's just not healthy. It's not good.
0: Not at all. Yeah. What, what's so, another chapter you're really excited about before we wrap so up? The here? very
1: first chapter is called, you know, more than you think you do and you're better than you think you are. And it's it's along the lines of perfectionism, but it's really more about how we have a tendency to always look toward what needs to be fixed rather than taking the time to celebrate our wins. And mm-hmm. um, it's OK to want to grow and develop and get better and learn new things. But we also have to acknowledge what things we're already good at. And acknowledge what things we probably will never be better at, and we should give those to somebody else and let it go. Um, because trying to get better, like I will never be a rock star graphic designer. There's no purpose in me trying to be a rock star graphic designer. My thing is words, not pictures. So um rather than beating my head against the wall and wasting my time and resources trying to do that, I should give that away. And really celebrate what I am good at and hone those gifts instead.
0: And see, I'm in the same spot. I I really feel like, like for for social media, I can design a little bit because mainly because I have Canva. Yeah,
1: me too. (laughs) But but
0: you know, I'm like, it's okay. It's good for socials, disposable graphics. But what am I really trying to do with those? It's like, oh, I'm trying to leverage my actual strength, which is conversations and words. You know, that's what I'm good at. So I'm going to bring that to the social media uh, table and let the graphic design be handled by someone that's way better at it than me. You know, whoever made this in Canva, I'll make it a template. I make it, you know, my brand palette colors, and then I'll just pop content in, change it up a little bit here and there and and keep reposting the same kind of same looking stuff. Fine. You know, it's like, that's how I'm winning. And that's how I don't have to spend hours and hours designing something on social media. You know, I spend 10 minutes making it. Because I right. already know I want—I'm leveraging my strength, and that's I think right. so many so many communicators think that because that's their title, they have to do it all.
1: Right?
0: And it's just not yeah. true.
1: Yeah, which there's a whole other chapter in the book about finding help too, because that, you know, we know, okay, I'm not good at this, but nobody else can do it, or I haven't found anybody else to do it. So there's a whole chapter of, about how to try to find people to come alongside you.
0: Yeah. Or that rare, um, or that not so rare moment where there's somebody who wants to do it that does not need to do it and will do right. it if you don't keep doing it. And right. so you're like, I'm doing this really just to protect it from you. Uh huh. <laughs> so, I know. Oh, I'm doing that. Don't worry about it. You know, yeah,, uh, so you feel trapped then,
1: yeah, those are rough, definitely,
0: <laughs> well, tell me a little yeah. bit about the church uh the Center for church communication that you're part of. Where can people sure. find that, and what do you guys predominantly focus on helping communicators yeah. do
1: so cfcc you can find it at cfcclabs.org. dot org but um the organization has been around actually, it got its start in nineteen ninety eight um but it really started in earnest in two thousand four, and it Center for church communication is the is the parent organization of church marketing sucks. Um, yes. So some people don't know that connection, but that's the tr- that's that's the case. CFCC also does creative missions, um, which puts together a group of church communicators to go to an under resourced church and um, do whatever they need to do. If they need a new website, they get a new website. If they need whatever whatever it is that they need, these these missionaries, church communication missionaries, do that. Center for Church Communication also awesome. does training events called the intensive. Um, Right now, we're also um, putting a lot of effort into uh, Courageous Storytellers, which I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast. So Courageous Storytellers um, produces ridiculously practical and easily digestible resources for church communicators who need help. Every month, we focus on a particular theme. So one month, we might talk about websites. Another month is social. Um, Like I said, this next month is uh, targeting communication and demographics. We have an upcoming month on digital church. But we produce resources around that particular topic every month. And folks pay $29 a month to have access to that content. They get, no matter when they join, they get the entire library of content. And we also um, offer social graphics, done-for-you social graphics that uh, churches can use each month, too. So that's been incredibly rewarding. Like I said, I've learned a lot from it. But I also know that we're resourcing church communicators who are drowning. And, um, And that is really important to me. Um, no matter my frustrations with the church in general, I always, always, always deeply care about your ch- church communicators or some of my favorite people on the planet. Yeah. I just think um, church communicators put up with more crap than is reasonable and they just keep going. And it's because they get on some level, even on their worst days, they get how important what they're doing is. Yeah. And so I love that Courageous Storytellers is able to help folks with that. So um, you can learn more about that at CourageousStorytellers.com.org sorry.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. That. That, that's yeah. what I've always loved about that organization with, uh, you know, church marketing sucks and, and, um, creative storytellers and church, center for church communication, all those things you mentioned, they have always shared something with me that I feel like might not be as pro- prominent. I know it's there, but it's not as prominent in a lot of other ministries. It's that you approach what you do as with a pastor's heart for church communicators, right? Yes. And and that's, yep. that's what I hope to do, you know, cause that's how I see what I'm doing here is like, I am, I, I love church communicators and I really want to see them succeed. You know, it's like, I don't sell a lot of stuff and I, I give as much as I can away. And, and yeah. you guys do a lot of that too. And I really feel like that. That's what's always drawn me to that organization is that yeah. there's a heart behind it for like, hey, we know this is hard.
1: Here, yeah. let us yeah. help. And you know, honestly, we're just here to help. Could, if we could give courageous storytellers away, we would. Um, but we are a nonprofit organization and courageous storytellers helps to fund those other things that I was talking about, um, creative missions and church marketing sex and things like that. So um yeah. C-F-C-C also publishes books. I should mention that. So um we have lots of books in the pipeline. Um we did Jonathan Mom's Unwelcome book. Um, CFCC published my book. Um, so that's the other thing that, that we have going on.
0: I think I want to write a book with you guys and it's gonna be just all the movie clips that could be scriptural analogies.
1: Oh man.
0: I'm totally kidding. That would be awful.
1: That would, <laughs> that would be awful. That would be hard to write about.
0: <laughs> Good though. I, I know. It's gonna be a graphic novel. It'll have to be oh, a graphic there go.
1: novel. I like that idea. <laughs>
0: It's going to be every every nerd reference that I can pull out of the Bible. I well, that's what I was just going to ask
1: you. So, when you say every movie clip, you're talking about Star Wars movie clips, right?
0: Star Wars, Marvel, DC. Eh, not so okay. much DC, but mostly Marvel. <laughs> yeah, yeah, most of that kind of stuff. And I'll even dig back in the 80s when they did the first Captain America movie, which have you ever seen that?
1: Oh, it's I have not.
0: hilarious. I
1: have not. Oh, you know what else God. I've never seen? The Lord of the Rings.
0: Oh man, that'll change your life. That's okay. like, that's like yeah. a companion to the Bible.
1: Yeah. I've, I know.
0: I think, the, <laughs> I think the early church fathers read it as commentary.
1: Yeah. And the, <laughs> I, yeah, I bet they did. I bet they did. And I haven't seen any of the new slash old Star Wars movies either.
0: Yeah. The new ones I'm, are, I'm, I'm like, the new I'm ones a are, nerd, but
1: I'm not a movie nerd.
0: The, the new ones are controversial and, yeah. uh, you know, I liked them still cause I love Star Wars, but Yeah, that should be something that uh, that you really should do. That would make your life better. I guarantee it.
1: (laughs) I'll I'll put my
0: stamp on it. I'll put my stamp on it.
1: All right. Seth says. Well, where
0: where can we find you? Where can we connect with you online?
1: Yeah. So I am on Facebook. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. It's at Kelly Hartnett. And my name is spelled funky. So it's K-E-L-L-E-Y-H-A-R-T-N-E-T-T. You have to spell it right or you'll be talking to somebody completely different. Um, so yeah, at Kelly Hartnett on the, on the socials. And then you can, uh, I have a blog at kellyhartnett.com. I don't really talk about, um, church communication specifically, but I do usually end up talking about something to do with church. I cuss a little on there. I'm sorry. I should probably give you that disclaimer. And, um, and then you can find my, (laughs) sorry, I love Jesus. I cuss a little, um,
0: I'll tell you. Oh my gosh. That's so funny.
1: Yeah.
0: That reminds me of one of my favorite stories of ministry. I was in a band and I was down in a bar and we were playing a show there. And, um, while I was sitting there talking to some of the other guys in the band, this one guy and I start talking and he was like, so what do you do? Cause that's the only question you can really ask a person you don't know. And so we, he said, what do you do? And I was like, Oh, I'm actually a youth pastor. And we'd been talking for a while before that really came up. And he go, he kind of st- sat there for a second. He looked at me and was like, huh well, I don't cuss that much. And that's the next thing he said. And I was like, okay, (laughs) I don't cuss a little, you know, I don't cuss cuss that much. And I was like, um, 10 hell Marys and you're forgiven. I don't know. What do you want me to say? You know, like I'm not a priest I'm confessed to me. So uh, I was like, okay, well, I don't either, you know, (laughs) so I was like this funny moment. He's reminded me of that. I thought that was really funny.
1: Well, most of my cussing right now is um, in relation to my dad who has acute leukemia. And so I cuss Uh, out cancer a lot on my blog. Um, But anyway, and then you can find my book at peptalkbook.com. And you'll find links there to Amazon and all the digital versions and all that stuff. So peptalkbook.com.
0: All right. We'll put all that in the show notes as well so that I can find that really easily. And you don't have to remember it while you're driving. Um, Right. Do not put this in your phone while you're driving. Right. Um, Well, Kelly, I, I love what you're doing. I think this book is great. I want to encourage everybody to go there to pep talk book and get it. Um, Like I said, I'll put the show notes and put the link there in the show notes and put that in our, I'll even put it in our Facebook group. We have a new Facebook group for this podcast Oh, cool! and it's uh, the seminary of hard knocks uh, Facebook group. So that link is in the show notes as well. I'll put, I'll drop that link in there as well for people to go and grab it. So thank you so much for being on the show and, and taking oh the time. Gosh, to Thanks talk.
1: for having me. It was so fun to talk with you.
0: Yeah. So everybody, thank you for listening and thank you for uh, paying attention and giving me a voice in your life. So I appreciate that. I'll be back next week and I'll see you.